Blog Talk Radio. Animal folks, and welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewitt, and I hope you are enjoying this first weekend of June. And I thank you for listening to us on K Mozart. Since we are rapidly moving toward the summer, there are a lot more things we need to be mindful of in terms of keeping pets safe and healthy. So I've invited Dr. Dan Kaler, the senior clinical toxicologist from the Pet Poison Helpline, to talk about interactions between pets and venomous spiders, toads, snakes, and other animals that are more likely to be encountered during warm weather months. And after our halftime break, Author Darius Watkins will be sharing a little bit about his new book that sets the record straight on pit bulls. So stay right where you are, tuned in to K Mozart, and we'll get started after a quick word from the station. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on K Mozart. I'm Marie Hewlett, and joining me now is Dr. Dan Kyler, the Senior Clinical Toxicologist from the Pet Poison Helpline. Good morning, Dr. Kyler, and welcome to the Pet Place. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. I know that this is the time of year that we start seeing a lot more interaction with pets and potentially poisonous critters of all different varieties. So I was wondering if you could talk to our listeners a little bit about that. Well, in general, as the seasons uh, start to warm, rain begins to come along on a regular basis, animals start to become uh, a little more prevalent in terms of their moving around, and undoubtedly encounters with pets start to occur. Uh, Pets being curious by nature, see anything moving along the ground or through the water, uh, tend to go right up to it and uh, look it in the face, and sometimes the response is not favorable. Absolutely. One of my biggest worries when I'm camping with my dogs, I go to a lot of places where there are rattlesnakes, Mm -hmm. and even though I have my dogs on leash all the time, I never let them run loose, I'm just concerned that they might, as they're sniffing along, just accidentally sniff a snake and get bitten in the nose. What do you do? Well, it's <laughs> that is a pretty common scenario because dogs go right up and the snakes will bite them in the nose out of defense or fear. And one of the biggest things that's a concern early on is their airway starts to swell. It's not so much systemic poisoning at that point. It is localized reaction. And when the uh, nose and the throat and the airway start to swell, then they have difficulty breathing. And really, depending on where you are, the, the best thing is to transport the animal immediately to a veterinary care facility. Uh, otherwise, it's very difficult, but you want to have that animal re- try to remain calm and try to just make sure they can have their airway open as best as possible with what you can do manually, like keeping the mouth open and the tongue out of the way. But otherwise, you really need professional veterinary care. How long do you really have if it's a serious bite? Usually, uh, it, it'll depend, but if they put a large quantity of venom in, uh, you've got maybe 30, 45 minutes in terms of the airway starting to swell, maybe up to an hour. Mm -hmm. And And is there an antidote that can be administered? There is an antivenom for all North American uh, pit vipers, of which there's rattlesnakes, copperheads, and water moccasins. 
Uh, and some veterinary clinics stock the antivenom and some don't. It's, it's kind of expensive, so sometimes they have to acquire it from a hospital, and that can take time. And uh, So you should until, probably call ahead to make sure that they have it then. Absolutely, or at least they can start to start checking where to acquire it while you're in transit to the veterinary clinic. Wow, that's a scary thought. Is <laughs> yeah. how how prevalent do you think it is for dogs to be bitten by snakes? Is this a pretty common thing? Yes, it is. I, I think there's hard, almost every state within the lower 48 states. Uh, there's cases each year where I, I don't know an exact number, but numerous dogs will sustain bites, in particular to the face, once in a while to the legs. But the face is pretty common. Okay. I have heard, and correct me if I'm wrong, that baby rattlesnakes can't really control their venom, and when they bite, they pretty much give you everything they have, whereas an older, more mature snake might not even inject any venom. Well, it, it's uh, that's not really well studied in controlled studies. What is known, perhaps, with smaller snakes is that they're, at least with two species of rattlesnakes that's been studied, showing that their venom is a little more potent than the adult through their first year of age, and that's primarily due to the fact they're smaller and they don't have as large a venom glands, their fangs aren't as large, and so they can't deliver as much venom. So it's a compensation, whereas a large snake has large venom glands, large fangs, does not have to use as much venom. And I think it's important to remember that venom was developed to acquire prey, not to, you know, bite dogs or mm-hmm. people per se. Um, and so the bottom line is it's highly variable. And I don't know about juvenile rattlesnakes, but with adult rattlesnakes, about one out of four times there's really no venom injected. Oh, okay, okay. So that's at least somewhat comforting. <laughs> Still well, pretty low statistics, yeah. though, 25%. And But about 50% of the time... Uh, you don't really, it doesn't require major medical invention, intervention. So about 50% of your bites might be of consider toxic, uh, considerable toxicity and require good supportive care and possibly antivenom if it's available. Okay. Where would you recommend our listeners really pay attention when they're out and about? Where are snakes generally found, and, and how would you recommend that they, what steps should they take to prevent snake bites? Well, when they're out, it's, first of all, it's good to know exactly what venomous snakes might be in the area that you're hiking or, or walking through with your animals. Uh, secondly, the time of day is a factor. Sometimes early in the morning when the when the uh, ground starts to warm up, snakes are more active and more likely to be out. And then again, late in the day. Um, they cannot sustain the high heat or uh, survive that if they're in direct sun at midday because they can't control their body temperature, so they're not as likely to be out in the open. So those morning and evening periods are the are the, are the times to be most uh, observant for interacting with them. And then if you're walking in trails where you're close to logs and rocky areas, keep your animals away from those because snakes will hide in those areas. And if the dog goes up and puts his nose down in a crevice or looking into a log, that is uh, typically how a bite can occur. Okay. And how about in your own yard, if maybe a snake is taking refuge under the bushes, what can you do to keep your yard a little more snake-unfriendly? <laughs> Certainly. Uh, one thing is keep your bushes trimmed up a little bit off the ground. Keep the leaves raked out from under them. Um, if you have, uh, like, cut wooden things that you would use for a fireplace, do not keep it close to the house. Keep it away to the peripheral uh, edge of the yard or farther away or in the garage where you can keep it closed off. 
basically you want to remove anything that uh, a snake might consider a hiding area. Another thing that is useful is to keep the grass from growing real long, keep it short. Okay. Uh, snakes don't like to be out right in the open. Okay, that makes sense. Let's switch gears for a moment and talk about spiders. I know in my garage when I do my annual spring cleaning out there, I always come across black widows and spiders that I can't even identify. And my kitties go, they, although they're not outdoor at all, they have access into the garage because that's where their litter boxes are. And I'm always concerned that they're going to see a spider and think it's something to play with. What what can we do about spiders? Well, that's pretty typical. They <laughs> Cats in particular will chase spiders or any other crawling little thing thinking they've got a hold of a really great toy. Mm-hmm. Uh, fortunately, with most of the spiders, even black widows or even brown recluse spiders, despite them being a venomous species of spider, uh, the majority of the bites are not as dangerous as the literature makes them out of the bee. It's only a very small percentage of bites that are serious. So what you tend to end up with most of the time is localized reactions, like in the paw, if they're bitten in the paw, or the lip around the mouth, as as cats do, because they kind of like to gum things a little bit before they chomp on it. Mm -hmm. And uh, you get this localized reaction in cats. You get excessive salivation. You can have vocalization where they'll be meowing very loud. And that suggests that there's pain locally. But the bigger concern then is are there more systemic complications that could be life-threatening? If there's any question of that, you'll tend to see the animal having difficulty breathing and acting extremely uh, abnormal in its behavior in terms of how it would walk. Like I said, the vocalization and things, in which case take the animal in immediately for veterinary care. The other thing is in your garages and things, um, there are different pesticides which can be used to control spiders, but it's important to check with your veterinarian about which pesticides you use because some pesticides can be a complication to pets as well. Oh, okay, okay. Let's talk about toads and frogs. I know some dogs, if they see one of these little jumping critters, might think, "Woohoo, great toy. Uh, is this anything to worry about? Toads are... Uh, more than frogs, at least in the United States, are probably the primary concern. And in most areas of the United States, the species of toads are not particularly dangerous. They may not taste well if an animal gets one in its mouth. You know, So there's a difference between bad taste and spitting out something and, and drooling because you don't like the taste versus true toxicity. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you have true tro- toxicity, like with something like the Colorado River toad or something in the whole Colorado River Basin, uh, and animals get into those, then you can have effects that uh, act on the heart in particular, and they can even be fatal in some circumstances. Um, The other thing, though, again, is if you have that bad taste, even though it's not a direct poisoning, sometimes animals will react and start salivating, and again, you've got to make sure they're not swallowing excessive amounts of fluids or lose their ability to swallow, because some of the toad toxins cause numbing effects as well. I see. Well, this is definitely a lot of stuff to think about and consider, and I'm really glad you were able to address all of these. But I know that you work with the Pet Poison Helpline, and you handle all kinds of things. Can you tell me a little bit about the Pet Poison Helpline and also give us that phone number in case somebody needs to use it? The the Pet Poison Helpline handles veterinary case calls from all types of toxicity, not just animal poisonings or envenomings, 
but also from plants, uh, industrial chemicals, agricultural chemicals, medications that are found in the home. We have a staff of very talented uh, veterinarians, several of whom are board uh, certified in toxicology and have considerable experience with this. The number that uh, is available 24 hours, seven days a week, is 1-800-213-6680. Okay. And you'll get the best help there is. Outstanding. Well, this is all great information, Dr. Kaler, and I'm delighted that you were able to share it all with our listeners this morning. We need to take a very quick station break now, but when we return, Darius Watkins will be in to talk about his latest book, My Son Wants a Pit Bull. So stay right where you are, and we'll be back momentarily with more of The Pit Place here on K Mozart. We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show, and joining me now is author Darius Watkins, whose book, My Son Wants a Pit Bull, is really causing conversations to start happening on the topic of pet pit bulls. Welcome to the Pet Place, Darius. All right. How you doing? So, My Son Wants a Pit Bull, is this a true story? Uh, Yeah, for the most part, it's based on a true story, based on... um, uh, true life experience that I went through um, with uh, Pitbull, yes. And uh, is it your son who actually wanted a Pitbull? Um, no, it's not my son. Uh, I actually don't have any kids, but I just uh, I just named it that. Um, it's basically it's uh, really based off of my dad and and um, and me, and uh, you know I just kind of uh, named it. Named it, uh, named it off of that. Okay, okay. Uh-huh. So so you wanted a pit bull, so you must really love the breed then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're my uh, favorite breed of dogs. And how did that happen? How did you end up loving pit bulls more than any other breed? Um, I don't know. I mean, I just I just thought that they were really fascinating. Um, I, I like the way they look. You know, they're really uh, pretty dogs. Now, they have a real bad rap, and anytime anything happens with a pit bull, it immediately makes the news, whereas if a Labrador retriever is involved in an incident or a collie or any other breed, pretty much, you'll never hear anything about it. But if anybody even remotely mentions the word pit bull or pit bull mix, it's all over the front page of the newspaper, and it opens the TV broadcast. Why do you think that is? Um, I am not really sure why that is. Um, it's it's very unfortunate. Um, I I mean, I guess they are a more aggressive uh, breed of of dog, uh, more aggressive than uh, a lot of other breeds. But if you uh, train them and socialize them, they can be just as gentle and sweet and loving as a cocker spaniel. Right, right. And and they usually are. In fact, I had a neighbor who had a pit bull for many years. It just recently died, but it was basically bullied by his pet cats. And it was the most docile, sweet pit bull or dog in general I have ever encountered. I mean, if you went to go pet it and talk to it, it would lick your face and it would wag its tail, and it was just so <laughs> nice. I loved that dog. Tell me about your pit bulls that you've had over the years. Uh, well, I've only had two in my lifetime. Uh, the first one I, I 
brought home uh, to my to my dad and uh, stepmom. Uh, it was already kind of grown, and so they were kind of you know kind of leery about it, but still they. So they liked it because he was nice and well behaved. And the second one that I brought home, um, I actually got it as a puppy. And uh, it's it's a very interesting story. Um, in my apartment, they didn't allow pit bulls, so I had to get rid of it. Um, oh. They said, yeah, they said either either the pit goes or you go. And oh. I also got a two yeah, got a two hundred dollar fine. So wow, uh, that's horrible. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I really hate breed discrimination. In fact, we really talk a lot on the Pet Place about breed discrimination and how it's totally inappropriate because it's not a breed of dog that's bad. It's generally the people who have the dogs who aren't taking responsibility and who basically have never trained or socialized their pets. Right. Mm-hmm. So, what made you come up with the idea to write a story about this? Oh uh, well, uh, like I say, it's based on my true life experience with it. Um, working a nine to five right now, so I'm just trying to trying to do something to you know get me up out of that you know get get about that situation you know because I'm a I'm a creative person and uh, you know I see myself uh, getting paid off of something that, you know, I created rather than, you know, working a regular nine to five. Okay. And um, what kind of information does the book cover? Tell me a little bit about the story. Um, well, it's basically just it's, it's based off of uh, my life again. And, it you know, it has a little twist of, of uh, imagination. It has a little fiction in it. And basically, you know, it's about a small child who finds a pit bull uh, as a puppy, and you know he brings it home to to the parents, and the parents they're you know freaking out about it, telling <laughs> the little kid, yeah, they're telling the little kid about um about how dangerous it is, and then you know he he begs the parents to keep it, so they eventually let them keep it, and so uh, you know there's a huge problem in the neighborhood, and uh, I'm not going to give that away, okay. but you know, but this pit bull he's uh like a superhero kind of. Or ah. dog hero. Okay. And so and so he helps to solve this neighborhood problem and uh in a nutshell, you know, uh the parents and everyone else in the neighborhood, they eventually see this pit bull as, you know, or they see the breed as, you know, uh not so bad. Uh huh. Because he so saved he, the day. Right. So he changed the stereotype around, he totally switches around and, you know, everyone loves pit bulls now. Now, are you personally active in trying to be an advocate for pit bulls? Um, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't quite say that. Um, well, I need to I, encourage I you to do that then, <laughs> especially now that you've written a story about it. Yeah, well, maybe maybe later in in the future. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Where can somebody read the story if they wanted to? Is it available in bookstores? Uh, yeah, I'm so glad you asked that. Um, not not in the bookstore, uh, maybe online, online bookstores, definitely. Uh, you can go to www.mysonwantsapitbull.com. Also available on iTunes, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Okay. Yeah, on, online bookstores like that. So they need to look up the title, My Son Wants a Pitbull. And right. 
be that myfamilystipboard.com. Would you recommend this for uh, young readers, teen readers, adults, or everybody? Really, uh, I believe this is a great story for everyone. Okay. Uh, it's, it's more of a children's book, but it's a great story for everyone. All right. So if somebody enjoys reading to their kids, this might be a fun book to read with their kids then. Right, exactly. exactly. Okay. Now, I know that your parents weren't particularly thrilled when you brought home your first uh, pit bull. Tell me how that evolved, and, and did they end up loving your dog in the end? Well, yeah, uh, it's, it's like I said, it's an interesting story. You know, the, the second one I brought home as a puppy, um, I had to get rid of it, so I brought it home to them, and um, they accepted it, and they ended up loving it. And, you know, when it about time... By the time it got fully grown, you know, and I had found a place where they, you know, accepted the pit bulls, then I go home and I say, hey, Dad, you know, I want to I want to get my pit bull back. And he's like, no, well, he's found a home here now, you know, so they got, <laughs> yeah, so they got, they got really, they got really attached to it. And, and do you think... There. Do you think that pit bulls are safe around kids? A lot of people are real worried about having pit bulls around little kids. What's your opinion on that? Um, personally, me, if I had a kid, I probably, I probably would not uh, let them around the kid unless they had a muzzle on or something like that. Oh, that's uh, interesting. To, okay. Just to, to be honest, which really, really any dog for that matter, I, I, I would feel, I would feel kind of uneased about it with any dog, not just pit bull. Okay. Well, actually, you know, a lot of dogs, as long as they go through training and socialization and you take all the right steps as far as safety with kids, you generally don't have to have a muzzle on your dog when they're around kids. But it's very important that you absolutely know that your dog is trustworthy. If you have a trustworthy dog, you're not going to have an issue. But I still always tell parents, don't let your kids get around the food bowl. Don't have your kids take toys away from dogs in general, not just pit bulls. Don't have your dogs try and give kisses on the face, which a lot of kids try and do. Dogs don't like that, and it doesn't matter if it's a dachshund or a pit bull. They're not going to like getting kissed on the face. And you have to teach your kids as much as you teach your dogs. And if you take real common sense safety precautions, you're not going to have a problem. Right, right. So right about that. Yeah, so let me uh, ask you, now that you've written a book, do you uh, enjoy writing, and do you think you'll be writing some more stories? Oh, yeah, uh, most definitely, most definitely. Um, just hoping that this first book is very, very successful. I hope people go to the website and download it um, and support it. Uh, I really need that. Uh like I say, man, just uh, trying to get out of this nine to five life, and, and, uh, <laughs> do, and you know, and uh, do what I was really supposed to do, and that's you know, uh, be creative and just uh, share my creativeness with the world. That's excellent. And do you think you'll write more books about animals? Um, yeah, I do see myself writing about animals. Um, I, you know, I, I have the capacity to write about a. A lot of uh, a lot of different subjects and topics. You know, I'm a very imaginative person, creative person, uh, like I say. And, and so, yeah, I, I do see myself writing about uh, different animals or any other subject. Oh well, that sounds very cool. And I understand there's some 
sort of car giveaway going on that's associated with this book? Right, right. I plan to do um, plan to do a, a car giveaway. I want to give away a, a unknown model BMW. I'm not really sure which model I'm going to give away, but I'm going to give away a BMW. Um, and that's once I reached uh, 5,000 downloads. You know, I'm going to choose a, one lucky winner, and they're going to win a BMW. <laughs> Outstanding. So where should our listeners go one more time before I let you go? to find out more about the book and more about your car giveaway. Okay. Uh, once again, uh, www.mysonwantsapitbull.com. Okay. com. Darius, I would encourage you, now that you've gotten into the world of being an advocate, whether you realize it or not, for pit bulls, that you continue down that path because they really do need a voice, and it sounds like you're somebody who could be very passionate for them. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure talking with you this morning, and I want to thank you again for coming by the Pet Place. All right. Thank you so much for having me. We need to take one last break now, but don't go away because we'll be right back with Pet Place news and events here on K-Mozart. Hey, pet lovers, mark your calendars for Orange County's largest pet adoption event to be held June 2nd from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at the Irvine Animal Care Center. Visit with adoptable dogs, cats, rabbits, birds, and other small animals from more than 50 animal care agencies and rescues from all over Southern California. Last year, 353 homeless pets found forever families, and this year we're hoping to shatter that record. Already have a pet? This is still the event for you. Dozens of vendors offering a plethora of pet products and services will be setting up shop for the day, making this an occasion you won't want to miss. Admission is just $1 for a full day of family fun for all of your family members, including your well-mannered, leashed, and vaccinated dog children. For more information, visit www.irvineshelter.org or call 949-724-7740. Back on the Pet Place Radio Show, I'm Marie Hewitt, and it's time for Pet Place News and Events. Mark your calendars for Bark in the Barn on June 8th from 6 to 9 p.m. at the Carlsbad Flower Fields, located at 5704 Paseo del Norte in the city of Carlsbad. This is a really fun fundraiser to benefit the dogs of California Labradors, Retrievers, and more rescue that will include dinner, music, open bar, live and silent auctions, Ask the Trainer, and more. Visit www.labsandmore.org for more information. Well, that's all for me today. Remember, pets need love and a home, too. We'll be back next weekend with more of the Pet Place here on K-Mozart. I'm Marie Hewlett. Please spare new to your pets and have a wonderful day. Yeah.